On three, we clap. Okay. One, two, two three. three. Hello and welcome to LCWS After Dark. I'm one of your hosts, Melissa. And I'm Eli. And today we're going to be talking about editing. Woo. So Melissa, in your professional opinion, what is editing? Uh, there's no way I can describe the depth of that word in so few words. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I tried to play into it this time around. <laughs> um, editing is this process of refining writing and or anything really whatever yeah whatever it can be you're... it can be used um for a variety of media and just like yeah. anything in general like you know how teachers would be like oh make sure this is you write a you write a first draft and then write a second draft and then write a third draft with i which i absolutely did not do um i never did that yeah <laughs> i sometimes write second first and second drafts sometimes sometimes i really i only do it when people have high expectations and you like when it comes to academic writing i mean i don't generally end up writing more than one draft except for my current class with a professor who actually wants um some sort of writing quality from me which is Mm. great but also horrible because i don't want Uh. to have to put effort in (laughs) yes it's the process of Improving the quality of the work. Darn her. <laughs> Darn yeah. them all. Yeah, Darn. so when we talk about editing with writing, usually um, what happens is, at least from what I know of people in our club, is that people tend to edit as they go, which is very highly not recommended because then you'll get stuck in your own head and you'll just yeah. think about the order of the words and everything and what word to use. Um, instead of actually writing the that thing. That you won't actually write anymore. <laughs> yeah. Hmm, I wonder, do you have experience with that, Melissa? Yeah. I mean, my problem with not being able to write right now is totally different. But yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... It's definitely a problem. Generally speaking, uh, it's encouraged for writers to not edit as they go. Because that can really get you stuck in your own head. Um, and to wait till you finish the first draft. Don't do any editing if you can avoid it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're writing your first story and you think, oh, I just made a plot hole. I don't know if I am making sense right now. I don't like that word. Leave it. Leave it alone. Don't touch it unless it is actively stopping you from writing further. Um, So, speaking of... Melissa, mm-hmm. in your professional opinion, when should we edit? And why should we edit? Uh, it definitely depends on the like what you're working on. When it comes to like long form where you have like chapters, write all the chapters first before editing. Because you could get stuck on just like editing the like one chapter over and over and over again. Like what I was doing with the uh novel that i was attempting to write (laughs) i have only one chapter because i kept going back and rereading the chapter and being like does this even work (laughs) i don't even know 
what am I doing? What even is the story I'm telling you for? And I had only written the first chapter and a little bit of the second chapter, but I kept overthinking. It's a, a very dangerous way to fall down a hole of overthinking and then yeah. not writing. Yeah, it's really easy to fall into that trap, especially if you plan on showing it to other people. Unless you're doing... Okay, if you're doing fan fiction, which you publish on a regular basis, and like like serial stuff, not um, you've written everything beforehand and then publish it, that is a situation where it's like, okay, in that case, you can do some editing beforehand before you send it out. Um... But in terms of, generally speaking, like Melissa said, try not to get super hung up about, it's your first draft. It's, the idea is that the first draft is for you, to get all your ideas out. Second draft is where you get out all of your plot holes, your um, characters that are teleporting around, (laughs) as mine tend to do, or... um, Accidental mind reading. Yeah, or sometimes... (laughs) I remember one time um, when I was reading, I was like, who is this? Who is, let's say, Janice? I was like, who is this character? And later I was like, oh, I changed her name some point through the story. (laughs) Oh, that happens. (laughs) Yeah, I was even writing a short story with my um, younger cousin this week. And at one point, so the main character, well... The main antagonist is Rose. And then we started calling her Rosa. And I was like, oh, wait a second. That's not her name. (laughs) That's always fun. Yeah, I'm actually going to be talking about editing with her. Um, So when it comes to editing, there's various types. Uh, If you were at our past uh, meeting just a while ago, we had Megan Mazzaferro talk to us about her experience publishing a book. She's very cool. Check her out at Meg Mazzaferro on Instagram. And uh, she talked about the different kinds of editing. So there's grammar editing, there's content editing, there's line editing. And generally speaking, before you send your paper or whatever you're writing off to someone to edit, you should be doing edits first yourself. So after you're done your first draft, it's, it's recommended that you set it aside for a while because when you're writing, I don't know if this happens to you, Melissa, but it happens to me. After you've written something, you're like, wow, this all makes sense. And then you leave it alone. You come back to it after a while and you're like, what is going on? <laughs> Who are these people? Yeah. See, if you reread it and start editing with the same brain that is exhausted from writing it, you're going to be looking at it the same ways when you were writing it. And if, when it made, everything made sense to you when you wrote it, right? And not only that, you'll kind of just assume that you like the audience knows things that maybe they won't realize. For example, this is this is why it's great to hand off to someone else is you'll have these things and you're like, oh, this magic system makes sense. And someone will be like, how is he shooting rockets out of his butt? I thought everyone shot rockets out of their fingers. And you're like, well, cuz. (laughs) (laughs) It's also good to look at it with fresh eyes in case there are those little things that you've like that slipped out of your mind in between finishing it Mm -hmm. and going back to edit. So then you can look at it almost as if you're a new reader and (laughs) you can't read your own mind, just like the reader can't read your mind. Very true. So before you send it off to someone else to check, make sure you've done a thorough grammar check. Make sure that um, 
any huge obvious things that you could have done on your own are dealt with so then that way your editors or beta readers or sensitivity readers can get to the content of it or can go into directly editing how things flow which is called content editing and line editing mm. so melissa yes what kinds of editors are there what kinds of editors are there like what kind of what what's the difference between like an alpha reader reader a beta reader a sensitivity reader what's what's the difference i don't know what an alpha reader reader is to be totally honest a beta reader i believe i don't know would you have an arc of whatever you've written it's like after it's gone through the editing process it's somebody who reads it over once again to give you like feedback as a reader sort of thing rather than somebody who's like specifically looking for things to edit they're just giving you the perspective of a reader reading your book i'm pretty sure that's what a beta reader is yeah sort of so from my experience being both a sensitivity reader and a beta reader so the difference between an alpha reader and a reader and a beta reader is an alpha reader is the person that sees the draft before it's been touched by any kind of editing before the author does any editing before anything so imagine imagine for example you write this awesome story you're super excited about it before you even put it away, you're sending snippets to your friends and they want to read through the whole thing, they read through the whole thing. That is an alpha reader. Mm-hmm. A beta reader is after there's been some preliminary editing and like Melissa said, usually they focus more on how an actual reader uh, would interpret the story, what they like and what they didn't like. Sometimes they will do editing things as well. They'll check for grammar, they'll check for content, they'll do some line editing. And do you know what a sensitivity reader is? I have no experience being a sensitivity reader, but I imagine somebody who reads looking out for representation in your work. Say you are a white person writing a black character looking out to see if this feels like a real person rather than a stereotype or anything like that. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. As uh, somebody who has been a sensitivity reader, what was that like? And like, what did that process kind of look like? Well, uh, not to um, <laughs> out myself, but I was a pretty big Tumblr user back in the day. Um, back when I was, I don't know, 16 to probably 19 years old. And I was on Tumblr a lot. And I was in a lot of writing communities. And at the time... I joined a couple of, you know, beta reader forums and sensitivity reader areas. And I also wrote fan fiction, um, so I was a beta reader for several people. Sensitivity reading is a little bit different from beta reading because you're not giving pretty much any um, feedback on the story itself, usually. You're more giving advice in the context of usually a minority group that you're related to. So for me, mm-hmm. um, on the forum that I was on, someone was looking for a queer autistic person to come and read over their stuff and make sure, you know, that the person was being, the main character was queer and autistic and that the character was being represented accurately. Mm-hmm. And of course, I will say this right now, um, you should ideally get multiple people to look over it because within minorities there are multiple multiple experiences like we've discussed before the experiences that melissa's had versus the experiences that i have had despite both of us being queer and neurodivergent are very very different so of course i can't encompass all of the autistic experience but basically what i did was i read through and i made comments on how autism could be dealt with 
more accurately or how it could be portrayed more in the novel or how some areas were less accurate than others. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. This was quite a few years ago. Um, but I think, for example, if you have an autistic character and they only like trains or they don't feel emotions, those would be two stereotypes that your sensitivity readers would be like, okay, this can happen with autistic people, but is this a character outside of that? Is it a character outside of these experiences? Or commenting on the more sensitive subjects such as, for example, meltdowns, which are a very difficult subject for a lot of autistic people. They're very painful things and helping portray that accurately. Yeah. Would you say it's also helping portray it in a way that maybe won't necessarily like trigger people who might be affected by those experiences? Not necessarily. It really depends on the genre of the story. Mm -hmm. Generally, I wouldn't recommend, for example, non-autistic people to write the story of people finding out that they're autistic or um, the experience of being autistic for the same reasons that you wouldn't have a white person write about the experience of being black, generally speaking. It's it's hard to do well, mm -hmm. and usually it, there's no point to doing it when there are people from that minority who can do it themselves. Mm -hmm. So... I wouldn't say people necessarily need to avoid the hard parts of being autistic or, for example, being queer, being a person of color. I think it's fair to put those in the book. So, for example, things that are triggering like um, using slurs or negative experiences the character might come across, those are totally valid to put in a book and I think can be important to put in a book. Do I personally read those stories? No. That's just fair. <laughs> but they can be useful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Melissa... Mm -hmm. What are plot holes and how should we deal with them? Because we've been discussing them a lot here. I suppose plot holes are areas in the plot where there's like a disconnect where you kind of lose what's happening. I don't actually have a lot of experience with plot holes because a lot of what I write is like, I read a lot of poetry, but a lot of like shorter things because I... Oh, that's true. And you spend more time writing uh, like longer forms. So I haven't personally dealt with plot holes per se, but they're usually, you know, I can't even think of an example when I've read a plot hole. Um, they're usually where, <laughs> say, something is brought up within the story. Like, say, in the beginning of the story, your character transforms into a crow. And then that plot point is just gone. It just, it never comes up again. Then the reader's gonna look up and be like, <laughs> don't you transform into a crow why are you never using this power it's never mentioned again it's never talked about by the kid with, with the characters and everybody's just wondering like where did that go i think that's a plot hole <laughs> i'm specifically <laughs> referencing vampire diaries yeah <laughs> so it's, it's, it's stuff like it's definitely stuff like that but it's also things like for example Let's say you're doing a murder mystery novel and there's a character that, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe like you said, we forgot about a character, this one really important witness to the story, you know, saw the murder happen and then we just never <laughs> talked about them again. <laughs> or sometimes um, it can be that things that just don't make sense for example, let's say you um, are at the conclusion of the detective mystery and you all think, let's say it's Alan, 
we have all this evidence. We have fingerprints. We have um, we don't have an alibi for him. We have witness. We have everything. And then all of a sudden, it pivots with no evidence. And we're like, actually, ha ha ha. It was Joseph. And then we're all like, what? And nobody even remembers who Joseph is. Who, who is this guy? Or just little things like, for example, I mentioned earlier characters teleporting. So plot holes are generally things that make the story not make sense. And it's really easy to do, like having stories branch off. And when you're writing long form, it's even easier to do. Especially if you like have if you're writing a pirate story because i've written a pirate story and sometimes the ship or people teleport when they should have been left elsewhere um so beta readers and uh regular editors will definitely help you with that and they'll give you perspective into how people who aren't inside of your mind can perceive it as for tips on how to deal with it i would recommend um Something that a lot of writers do is they have kind of a skeleton outline of their story. So you can go through, take note of the most important part of the, parts of the story, little things that branch off. And then at the end, you can go back and look and be like, huh, wait a second. Wasn't this supposed to happen? Wasn't this character supposed to be here? Etc. Etc. Um, that waiting period, like we mentioned earlier, is really important for that. Because if you're coming out of it fresh and you're going right into editing... Unless you haven't read the first few chapters in a while, you're going to not pick it up. Melissa, would you like to share your wonderful drafts of, I believe you said you had a poem? Yeah, I am. I have a poem that I've actually read on this podcast before, but now you're going to hear the draft of it and then the final poem. And before I read that, I want to kind of talk about like the format of how editing looks for this piece yeah editing for poetry is a little bit different than like editing long form or stories because just the way the language is and the way you work with language in poetry is, can be very different so usually after you write the first draft of a poem it's a little bit easier to go back and edit it because it's so short and you you still want to do that spending time away from it before you come back to edit it but but not as extreme exactly it's a, to a little bit lesser of a degree because it's so short typically unless you're writing an epic poem which can be very long like a whole book's worth mm -hmm. but the way editing the poems for this worked it was for a class and so we were grouped up into groups of three so that you got the perspective of two other people who have their own experiences with poetry. And so their feedback would each look very different, but some things would like line up and you could definitely tell when things lined up. It was like, okay, yeah, that is something that you definitely need to focus on. A lot of the edits looked at rhyme schemes because sometimes, specifically in the type of poem that I was writing for this one, it's a sonnet. And usually it's um, like A, B, A, B rhyme pattern until the like ending couplet, which is like CC. Mm -hmm. So something that my editors looked for were uh, rhymes because my first draft did not include all of the rhymes that I needed. It wasn't really following the pattern because I was just trying to get that idea out there because I had an idea that I wanted to go for and I was more so focused on that than the rhyming. So the rhyming came later 
which it was helpful to get other perspectives because both people gave me like two other like different pretend potential rhymes for a line it's like oh i can kind of figure out where i want to go from there whether i want to find a different rhyme or i have a couple options and it was especially helpful for poetry getting two different perspectives on for this feedback they kind of explained what they thought the poem meant and it was helpful to try to figure out how i wanted to like more so direct the meaning of the poem yeah i think getting into like groups of people to edit work is like very valuable because you're getting different perspectives and you have people to hold you accountable as well because you have to pretty do something for them to edit it um for them to give you feedback you also have to remember to be open to the feedback because even if you disagree with it you might find that later you're like oh shoot they were right and you don't you want to try not to be Mm -hmm. super defensive because i know i can sometimes get defensive yeah it's very easy to get defensive when it's like your baby and Mm -hmm. the every every critique feels like Step to the heart. <laughs> I know. So you definitely have to separate it a little bit from yourself and be like, okay, these are my words, but it's not me. Nobody's mm-hmm. picking apart me and my identity. They're just helping me express what I want to express mm-hmm. in a more effective way. And it doesn't mean your first draft was bad. It doesn't mean that it's complete garbage. They're there to help you. And that's why, like, sometimes it's nice to do it in groups as well, where you're all kind of, like, critiquing each other's work, because you also have the perspective of you as an editor editing their work, and you know that you're not being like, oh, your piece is garbage, you know? You're not picking (laughs) apart these things to be like, yeah, feel bad about your work. (laughs) So it's good to also have that, so that you can also then... Put yourself in the perspective of your editor because you are an editor of somebody else and you know what you're doing so you can kind of infer that you know they're kind of doing the same thing as we all know editors um just hate everyone that's why they edit <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> all right would you like to share it but yes with that preamble over i will start with the draft so this is the poem missing butterflies Voices all around scream whispers about the butterflies, marvelous creatures that lift the body to new heights, become the air in your lungs that you can't get enough of. They say the wings make a beautiful sound, tiny heartbeats deep within the soul. Only close ones can hear, spellbound, a rune etched deep in dark charcoal. But what does one do when they've never had any butterflies? when one was misshapen in the human mold. They say you are not whole and promise to fix you, lies, and you believe them because that's all you've ever been told. Do you miss your butterflies in lament, or do you live your life without regret? I see what you mean about um, needing to fix up the rhyming schemes, Mm -hmm. because... It is, like, a well-written poem, but at the same time, it is a first draft as well. Yeah. Yeah, you can hear that it's a first draft. It doesn't flow as well as the second draft does. In the second draft, I cut some things. I introduce more of the butterfly imagery throughout, and you'll hear that in a second. Mm -hmm. And I switch out some words to, like improve upon the meaning of what I'm trying to say is and some things I leave because I like them and they work 
Very much. <laughs> yeah, so with that, I'll read the final draft, and we can talk a bit more about it. Voices all around scream whispers about the butterflies, the marvelous beans lifting the body to new heights once crouched, become the air in your lungs so freeing. They say the wings make a beautiful sound, fluttering heartbeats deep within the soul, an enchantment close ones can hear spellbound, a rune etched resolute in dark charcoal. But what if one never had butterflies? A misshapen chrysalis in the mold. You are not whole. I'll fix you. They say lies. You believe because that's all you've ever been told. Do you miss your butterflies in lament? Or do you live your life without regret? I really like the misshapen chrysalis line. Yeah. It, it, it does a lot of work because you have that butterfly imagery of chrysalis. And you mm-hmm. also have like fluttering in the second stanza the fluttering heartbeats because a butterfly's wings kind of like flutter Mm -hmm. and you in the first stanza you have more of that imagery of being like crouched and like cocooned kind of and then in this in the second or the fourth line apologies it becomes more freeing because you're being lifted to new heights you're not crouched Mm -hmm. anymore (laughs) and it was kind of important to have more of a juxtaposition there and I believe that was like some of the feedback I got and it also helped because about and crouched kind of as a slant rhyme which was important to include as a sonnet (laughs) Mm -hmm. all right is there anything else we want to talk about in regards to editing before we go Uh, Was there anything that came into your mind as we were going through and talking about things? I feel like I said a lot of my piece while I was, like, (laughs) speaking before um, reading the poem. I think my only other comment would be how to find beta readers and etc, etc. So the best way to do that is honestly to (laughs) go on Tumblr if you're looking for unpaid unprofessionals. Um, if you're looking for professionals, try looking for agents on uh, Twitter. There's usually um, hashtag writing. Or if you're looking for editors, make sure that you learn what is an acceptable price, what is not. Mm-hmm. Usually three to five cents a word. Um, and also, usually, depending on who you ask, if you can, please pay these people because they do good work. Um, especially if they're professionals Mm -hmm. and especially your sensitivity readers even if you disagree try to get other people's opinions and if a majority of people are telling you the same thing sensitivity reader or not sorry as much as you hate it you're probably wrong (laughs) (laughs) so keep that in mind and go forth edit yes it's a very important process not handing in your first draft is very important yeah no no agent if you're ever going to try and publish no agent will ever take your first draft yeah and usually not a thing you can tell when something is a first draft even as somebody who's unexperienced um in editing uh, you can typically tell and yeah it doesn't mean it's not it doesn't mean your first draft is horrible it's just not polished and it's just not ready and that's okay it's okay Mm -hmm. to not be ready yet yeah all right well thank you everyone for listening thank you this has been 
LCWS After Dark. After Dark. <laughs> After Dark. Uh, any final words to say, Melissa? Check out our WordPress if you haven't yet. There's lots of stories and poetry there, most of which have been edited, but some of which have not been edited. And it is your job mm-hmm. to figure out what is what. <laughs> That's your homework. That's your homework. <laughs> your call to action. All right, everyone. We will see you in two weeks. Yep. See you later. Bye.